that great name of Jesus. Father, that you've spent so much time and cost and expense, Father, to obtain that great name. And then you delivered it, Father, for use of your church. We can use the name of Jesus, Father. And everything that behind it, Father, the power of the Most High God stands behind the name of Jesus. And so, Father, when we declare the name of Jesus, mountains move, Father. Trees are removed, Father. Obstacles, Father, are set aside. Father, the enemy has stayed. Father, the great name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for that great name, the most excellent name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you for that great name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for all the things you've given us because of that great name. And Father, as humble servants of the Most High God, we accept them and receive the, the blessings that you've given to us, Father. Thanking you, Father, for the great expense that you paid on our behalf. So, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. We appreciate his goodness and kindness. You know, I was thinking about the, the Lord Jesus. And, you know, sometimes people say, well, he picked me up out of a ditch, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, he does that. But, you know, he didn't just pick you up in the ditch and set you on the road. He picked you up out of a ditch and set you at, at the right hand of the Father, right? We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, when Jesus pulls you out of a ditch, he takes you to the mountaintop after that. And he doesn't just set you on your path. You know, he, he's uh, provided great blessings for us. Amen. And, um, you know, we as a church need to live in that. Uh, and, um, you know, I was reading one of those things, uh, you know, someone was, uh, um, uh, you know, one of these uh, Facebook posts. And uh, the thing that we have to be careful about in the church is to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. And. And, um, um, you know, I do understand that sometimes in the church that all we preach is that, you know, uh, Jesus only does wonderful things for us and we have no responsibilities. and We just do whatever we want to. And, uh, you know, there are some some people who believe that and think that, you know, I think that's probably in the minority, I imagine. But um, uh, but they were, you know, they were trying to contrast uh, Jesus, what he was doing. Uh, what a lot of the churches preach today and what they think that Jesus is, should be preaching today. Uh, and they were saying, you know, how today's church preaches only uh, health and wealth, but Jesus really only preached uh, righteousness and love, you know, something to that effect. Uh, and I'm thinking, well, he preached all the above, right? Jesus, I mean, the whole book of, uh, uh, whole chapter, Matthew chapter 6, is talking about, you know, that, uh, uh, that, that if you put the Lord first, that all these things to be added unto you, right? Yeah. Seek you first the kingdom of God and all these things. Well, all those things are natural things. None of them are spiritual things in Matthew chapter 6 there. Uh, and so, uh, and how much healing did Jesus do in his ministry? He, I mean, that was his ministry was defined by how much things he healed. So, but did he also talk about love? He did, right? He said it, it had been said, you know, to hate your enemies, but, but I say unto you, love your enemies, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, did Jesus teach about love? Did Jesus teach about righteousness? He did. Did he also teach about taking care of, of you in this natural world? He did. Did he talk about uh, healing your physical bodies? He did. So 
you know, sometimes we, we, we just get a thorn in our craw in the church and we just, you know, we want to just get rid of all, uh, anything that makes you happy, you know, and we all got to be sad, depressed Christians, you know, and <laughs> under the thumb all the time. And, uh, and um, you know, it, it's, there's a balance to everything. Amen. Uh, and if all you ever preach that Jesus loves you and you don't have to do anything and, you know, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right. Uh, and so, you know, there is a balance to the church, but we don't need to just say, well, you can't ever teach about prosperity. You can't ever teach about healing. You can't ever teach about, you know, any of the blessings that the Lord has done for you, which I find it odd since that's in the word. Right. We should teach what's in the word. Amen. If it's in the word, we should teach it. Amen. Uh, we shouldn't ignore other things. Amen. We shouldn't ignore Things where Jesus said, you know, uh, over in Mark chapter 10, uh, when when Peter was saying, you know, Lord, we've given up everything for you. You know, what's in it for us? Basically is what he was saying. And Jesus said, you know, if you've given up anything for my sake or the gospel's sake, you know, that a hundredfold will be returned unto you. Houses and lands and children and, 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 and family. Uh, and those are all natural things. And he said also in the life to come, eternal life. Uh, but he also said, and persecution. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, that if you're only preaching the good, you know, the, the quote, good news, you'd forget the part about the persecution. But, you know, persecution comes along with it. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, we should teach what the word says and not not just ignore things that it says. Uh, and uh, but we shouldn't just be preaching hard all the time or preaching happy all the time. We should preach a balance. Amen. You know, there's really no reason why the church shouldn't be the happiest people on the on the earth. We're all going to heaven. How bad can it be, right? I mean, we all get to spend eternity with the Lord Most High on streets of gold. I mean, how bad can anything we experience on the earth be, right? I mean, so, uh, you know, I, I just, I have ne never have understood why there's any sad Christians at all. Uh, but even on this earth, because all the things that Jesus told Peter in, in Mark chapter 10 was, he said, in this life, right? So he, so there's, there are blessings we can have in this life. And there are responsibilities that we have in this life to do the gospel, to follow the Lord, right? To be faithful to his word and his spirit. Uh, and so uh, I just, uh, it just seems like sometimes people are always looking for a fight, you know? And, and why is there always a fight? You know, we, we all agree, you know, just do the, just do the word. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so uh, sometimes, you know, I wonder about the church and, uh, but uh, we'll make it all right. Amen. Amen. Let's follow the word, follow the spirit and all will be well. Amen. Uh, and so uh, let's turn to uh, Matthew or Mark chapter 16. We're going to continue there. So, uh, you know, the, the Lord, uh, I just felt impressed that the Lord wanted us to teach about this. And I don't know how long we'll be in this subject. You know, I'm never in any hurry to get it started or get it finished. So we'll stay as long as the Lord wants to start to, to do uh, this particular message. But um, we know that Mark 16 uh, in verses 15 through 18, we call that the Great Commission, right? Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, and then he says, uh, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So a lot of miracles are mentioned in, in these verses. Right. Uh, and and that's part of the good news. Right. Part of the good news is God will heal you. God will deliver you. God will protect you. Amen. That's all in these verses. And that's part of the good news. Amen. Uh, and then he said in verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of, of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them uh, and confirming the word with signs following. So he's only going to confirm his word. Amen. He's not going to confirm 
you know, Andy Griffith. I know sometimes churches will show an Andy Griffith video, you know, and, then, and I love Andy Griffith, you know, Opie and Andy, you know, and I always loved it how him and him and, and uh, Barney would gossip about everybody, you know, in the squad car there and, you know, talk, well, they're so-and-so, you know, uh, you know, they're married to so-and-so's cousin, right? You know, oh, yeah, I know, well, you know, and that's just entertainment, but, you know, it doesn't really have uh, any use in the church. Uh, and so, because he doesn't confirm Andy Griffith, does he? No. He confirms the word. So we need to be preaching the word. Amen. Yeah. Uh, but see, the, the, the part about that, that he wanted me to, to focus on is working with them. You know, we work with the Lord. I know we work for the Lord as servants of the Most High God, but he works with us. Amen. That's what it says in, in 1 Corinthians 3, 9. It says the same things that we, we are laborers together with him. So we have our part and the Lord has his part. Amen. He's got, his part is to do all the hard stuff, right? Our part is to show up and breathe air, basically, and he does everything else, right? He does the healing of the sick and the raising of the dead and, and the speaking in the tongues. And, uh, you know, he, he does the saving of the people's hearts and, and spirits. So, you know, he does all the hard stuff. Basically, we got to show up. Amen. It's kind of like in the Old Testament when they had to go out to battle and they'd go out to battle as a nation of Israel. And a lot of times they just show up and the Lord would do everything else. But they still had to show up. You know, sometimes you just got to show up and the Lord will do the rest. Amen. Uh, and so how does the Lord work with us? How do we work with the Lord? Well, we work with the Lord with his spirit, right? Uh, uh, where is Jesus right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. So where is the Father then? He's on the other side of Jesus, right? I mean, so that's kind of an obvious statement, right? So Jesus and the Father in heaven. So where's the Holy Spirit? He's on the earth, right? And he's in us. Uh, and so the, the part of the Lord that's working with us is the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so you know, uh, this, uh, this teaching then is, uh, is how do we work with the Holy Spirit? And it's really how do we work with the anointing of God? And so the anointing of God is, is in the earth. And we know as Christians that we have an anointing. Uh, and, you know, as Pentecostal people, we're kind of Pentecostal, charismatic. You know, people say, what kind of church are you? Well, you know, I don't you know, I, we're, we're just a Christian church, right? I mean, uh, we believe in speaking in tongues and healing and raising the dead and all the miracles, all the above. Uh, but, you know, there was never really designed to be a separate Pentecostal church, right? The whole church is supposed to be Pentecostal. Uh, the Lord never said, well, we're going to let the crazy people over here speak in tongues. All the normal people, they can just go to regular denominational churches, right? That, that was never the design of the Lord, right? As the head of the church, did he do that in, in Acts chapter 1 when he said, you know, that you're going to be endued with empower? All the regular people are not. They're, they're going to be over there and just, you know, normal, you know, sane people. All you crazies are going to be over here, right? He never made that distinction. We have kind of made that distinction, right? And we kind of, you know, even in a Pentecostal church, you know, kind of historically, we've kind of swapped out the anointing of God and the move of God with emotions, right? And I've got no problem with emotions. I've run around churches plenty of times, right? I've broken my lap record, you know, a few times here and there. And, uh, and, and you know, I've got no problem with that. But sometimes we think that that is the anointing, but that should be the response, you know, in, in, in response to the anointing. Uh, we don't generate the anointing by how fast we can lap the church, right? We, we, that should be, uh, and it often is a response to the Spirit of God coming upon us, amen? Yeah. <clears throat> and so, uh, but, you know, in the history of, of the church, that's something that we always do, right? We, we will always replace the actual move of God with something in the natural realm. <clears throat> and, and, you know, it's just, uh, that's the nature of humanity. If, if we're not careful, we will kind of devolve the church into just being nice people that mow the yard and vote, you know, and are kind to their neighbors. And, you know, that's all great. But, you know, he said, these signs shall follow the, them that believe. Mm -hmm. 
raising the dead and uh, was raising the dead. It's not in that list, but healing the sick. Right. Uh, and um, uh, casting out devils, speaking with new tongues. Uh, these signs. should So uh, who in the church are supposed to be believers? That's kind of everybody. Right. That's kind of a captain obvious question. Right. Uh, everybody in the church should be believers. So if everybody should be believers, then then how many should be doing these signs? The whole church ought to be doing these signs, right? He didn't say this is only for the charismatic believers or the Pentecostal believers or you're the crazy believers. He said these are the believers, right? And so, so the whole church should be believers. Uh, and I, I understand that sometimes there are people that are not believers in the church and the Lord's working on them and, and the hope that they'll come around eventually. But the, generally speaking, the whole church is supposed to be believers. So the whole church is supposed to be doing these things here. It doesn't say these signs shall follow those that are ministers, does it? It doesn't limit it to just the ministry gifts. It's on these signs shall follow them that believe, right? Uh, and so that means all of the church should be doing these things. It can be doing these things. And all of the church should be working with the Lord. Uh, and so what we want to find out is, you know, how, how do we do that? Uh, and, and that's really learning how to work with the anointing of God, with the, with the Holy Spirit. And, and the anointing, and we remember we read in Luke 4, we, we don't have time to go back over everything, but uh, remember Jesus said, uh, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to do all these things, right? To preach the gospel to the poor, right? To give recovering of sight to the blind and, and so on. And, and, and so the Lord, the Lord God in heaven had anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, right? Acts 10, 38 says how God anointed Jesus with, uh, of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So uh, it's the, the Father that, that anoints us but he anoints us with the Holy Spirit. So it takes, takes the, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to do all these things for us. And so, uh, so the anointing is just really the manifest presence of the Spirit of God in your life. And what is he doing with you, right? What are you doing with that anointing? How are you working with that anointing? And one of the, the great ways that you can learn to work with the anointing is whenever you're witnessing to people, you know, we should witness to people as the Lord gives us the unction or the, the, the you know, the kind of the, the knowing in our hearts, well, you need to go talk to that person. You know, it doesn't have to be the skies parting and, and a, a booming voice from heaven. Just, you know, you see somebody and your heart goes out to them. And that's the, that's the unction of the Holy Spirit. That's the, the knowledge that, hey, I need to go talk to this person. Don't have that unction for this person over here, but I do have the unction for this person over here. Uh, and, you know, Jesus operated that way in the ministry. Remember when he went to the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5? How many people did he, did he pray for at the pool of Bethesda? Just one fellow, right? And he wasn't even much of faith, right? Do you want to be healed? Well, you know, I can't get healed because nobody will help me. Well, that wasn't the question. You know, the question was, do you want to be healed? Yeah. And, and he had a terrible answer for it, yeah. but, but he still got healed, didn't he? Yeah. Well, they said there are many people were there. Yeah. Why was only one person ministered to? That's where the unction was. Jesus go, goes there. The unction of the Holy Spirit says, go to that guy right there. Don't go to anybody else. You go to that guy right there. Now, see, if the other people were smart, they'd be like, hey, Jesus, can we get on this? You know, sometimes we're not very smart, right? We, we, yeah. Hey, yeah. you know, can, uh, while you're here, Jesus, you know, yeah. can, you, yeah. can you help us out too? Uh, nobody else asked that question. Sometimes people miss their opportunities, amen? Uh, and so sometimes the Lord will have you go to one particular person and speak to them. What you need to appreciate and have faith for is as you're speaking to them in the natural realm, that the Spirit of God is speaking to them in the Spirit, that He's working on their hearts. Because he may have been working on them for months and now he knows, OK, this moment is their time. And if you'll go speak to them, they'll get across the line and come into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, that's how we work with the Holy Spirit. I trust every time I speak to somebody that he's doing his part. 
encouraging them to listen, encouraging them to, to yield to, to uh, uh, whatever it is that he's saying to them. Uh, see, I'm always thinking that he's working with me. So, you know, I'm not doing it on my own. I'm not trying to outsmart this person, right? A lot of times our witnessing is, how can I outsmart somebody? How can I use some trickery or some tricky language or some cool little chiclet uh, 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 comic book thing to convince people to get to know the Lord? But that kind of diminishes the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't need any trickery if the Holy Spirit is really with me. I can just speak to them knowing that he's also speaking with them. That's how we work together with the anointing. And, and so uh, if the Lord sent me to that person, then I've got to have faith that he's also working on them at, at the moment. Amen. And that's how we work, how we work with the Lord. Amen. Uh, and we should learn and, tra- and train ourselves to do that in all of our lives. So that because some people just they get so legalistic about things that they got to preach to every single person all the time. Uh, and, and they really many times get out ahead of the Lord. The Lord's been working on that person for days and months and weeks and years. And he knows that, you know, on February 2nd, on a Tuesday afternoon, that's their day that, that I'm going to I'm going to offer them the, the opportunity to get saved. But not on on Monday, not on Sunday. It's Tuesday at 3 p.m. That's their time. It's all been working for this one moment. And how many times do we get out ahead of the Lord and go preach to him on December? Hey, you need to get saved. Well, I don't even know what that means. Right. And then we, we put people under pressure because. We get so legalistic, you know, we just we just kind of shove the the gospel down everybody's throat. Uh, But we're supposed to be working with him. He knows the plan for everybody's life. And I understand sometimes we're slow, but he's long suffering. And if he knows it's going to take him 10 years to prepare somebody's heart, he's willing to take 10 years to prepare somebody's heart. So I'm never under any pressure. Well, you know, why aren't you preaching everybody? Jesus didn't preach to everybody. I mean, many times you remember in Acts chapter three, the man at the gate, beautiful. He was at the temple, at the gate beautiful. So it had been there a long time. Well, didn't Jesus visit the temple? Lots of times. Why didn't Jesus pray for that person? He walked by, he probably walked by him, you know, had to probably step over him, you know. Excuse me, I've got to go into the temple. Never prayed for that fella, right? Was he, did he not want to pray for that fella? It, was, it wasn't a question of whether he wanted to or didn't want to. It's that the Spirit of God hadn't given an unction to pray for that fellow yet. He wasn't prepared for that. Because, remember, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. See, at that moment, that man was ready to receive the power of God. When Jesus was on, apparently he wasn't ready to receive the power of God. Now, Jesus had the power of God, but the man wasn't ready to receive it. So if Jesus had gone and said, hey, you need to get get healed. And the man's like, I don't need healed. I need a cheeseburger. You know, don't be talking about, you know, healing. Right. I need a, you know, I need a hot dog. Don't be, you know. I'm not ready for no healing. I'm ready for, you know, lunch. Uh, but see, by the time we got to Acts chapter 3, the man was ready. So that's how you work with the Lord. Don't get under so much pressure, you know. Well, if I don't preach for them, they're going to die and go to hell. Well, you don't know that. The Lord knows the end from the beginning, right? We work with him. I'm very confident that, that if I have no unction to speak to somebody, then, then well, well, why not? You know, I don't know. You know, the Lord's not mad at anybody. He desires all of us to get saved. Didn't he say that? So there's a timing that's really important with the Lord. Amen. So don't get ahead of the of the anointing of God. Don't get ahead of the spirit of God. Uh, Do your part. You know, sometimes your part may just be to show a kindness to somebody. Uh, I mean, remember, Hebrews says that sometimes we we be kind to all strangers. Right. Because sometimes we we entertain angels unaware. It didn't say preach to them. It didn't say lay hands on them. It just says show them kindness. Right. Uh, Show them be hospitable towards them. 
Because sometimes people just need to know, hey, there are people that care out there. And maybe the second Christian comes along and says, you know, God loves you. Well, you know, that person over there showed me the, the love of God now that you mention it, you know. So let's work with the, with the Spirit of God. Amen. And, and uh, so let's turn over to Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 is really a great chapter. I mean, I could probably spend months just talking about Romans chapter 8 because there's so much in here about the Spirit of God and learning how to work with the Spirit of God that if you want to be a, a person... See, it's not, this is not for the ministry. This is for the whole church, right? The whole church is supposed to be working with the Spirit of God. All of us uh, have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's not limited to the pulpit ministry. All of us have been given the ministry to, to tell the world... You've been reconciled to God. And as far as God's concerned, he's dealt with all the problems between you and him. All you have to do is make a decision. That's the ministry that the church has. When we go outside this, these four walls, that's our ministry. We, all of us are in the ministry as soon as we walk outside these four walls. Amen. Uh, and so, so what we need to learn then, how do we work with the Holy Ghost? How do we work with the Holy Spirit? You know, you don't have to go in, 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 in praying tongues at the restaurant to prove how spiritual you are. Amen. Now, if the Lord tells you to pray in tongues, pray in tongues. I got no problem. They won't bother me a bit. You praying in tongues at the, at the restaurant, praise God. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll cheer you on. Uh, but if it's just you're trying to prove something, because some, sometimes we get under pressure. We got to prove that we're Christians, prove that we're different than the world. And, uh, and I'm, trying, I'm not trying to be like the world, but I've got, I'm under no pressure to be anything. I'm not under any pressure. If I'm going to go eat lunch, I can just go eat lunch, amen, uh, and not be under pressure about things. Because sometimes when you get under pressure, you get in the flesh. You get in the natural realm. You get in your own emotions. Well, I've got to prove this and prove that to the world. And uh, you're, you have, uh, you're under no obligation to prove anything to anybody, amen. 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 And so uh, we talked last week about, uh, he kind of starts out setting the groundwork there in Romans chapter 8 and verses 6 and 7 about being carnally minded, right? Because a, a, one, a big danger in the church is that we become so, to be carnally minded means to be naturally minded. So it's not about a sin uh, in and of itself. Carnal, uh, carnality is not sin in and of itself. It just means natural, right? Naturally minded. In other words, you're not, you're not paying any attention to the spirit realm. You're only paying attention to the things in here, right? Uh, and, and so, you know, I had, uh, uh, I had the great joy of running the sound for many years for my pastor and running the thermostat. I'm not sure which one's worse to run, the, th the sound or the thermostat, right? Because I had to get these super spiritual Christians to come back and say, I hope you're happy we're all burning up. Uh, you know, uh, and then somebody, I hope you're, ha I can't hear nothing. And in the same service, I'm like, I'm, I can't, you know, it's so loud, I can't, you know, I'm, you know, it's making my head hurt. I'm thinking, well, you can't hear nothing and, and you, it's too loud for you. Can you go talk to that guy when you swip, swatch? swap uh, chairs because apparently over here it's really good right but over here you can't hear so you guys swap, swap places right well see that that's very carnally minded right if i'm not comfortable somebody's going to hear about it oh, yeah. <laughs> really well can you submit that in writing i mean you know i mean the the, the now look i got no problem to say hey you know it's a little warm in here could we turn the air down i mean you know that's no problem with that at all but when you come up there and just imply that my mama raised me bad because the thermostat's not perfect you know, I mean, that's kind of carnally minded, right? That's so natural that your natural things are very important to you. It's got to be exactly, you know, 82 degrees, you know, whatever the temperature is. Or I guess that'd be kind of warm, wouldn't it? But uh, uh, you got to be 70 degrees, right? Uh, or I'm not a happy. <laughs> Praise God, you know, I'm, I'm sorry about that, you know. Uh, and, you know, and I'm thinking, well, what about, you know, you got the little lady shivering on, on the seat, chair right there because, you know, 85 is still not warm enough for her. 
but you're not happy because it's not 70 degrees out in, in, the, in, the, in the room. Now, maybe you should prefer, you know, your, your uh, Christian sister over there, right? Uh, now, I never said anything because it wasn't my job to say anything, but, but uh, it's amazing how unkind people can be to the not pastor. Right? Now, I'll be very polite to the pastor, but, you know, then go to the help and go, well, you're doing a terrible job. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for that, you know, uh, and uh, thank you for being kind to me, right? So to be carnally minded is just everything's in the natural realm, right? The natural realm is the most important thing, right? If you're comfortable, are you satisfied? Are you, you know, are, are you not hungry? You know, uh, uh, do, do all the lights turn green for you when you need to? And uh, you ever seen people just get so mad for, for just nothing, right? They're taking so long at the drive-thru. It's been like 30 seconds. What's wrong with them? That's carnally minded, right? That means the natural things are so important to you, right? And look, we've all got places to grow. You know, me, you know, uh, fast lane, people driving slow in the fast lane. Yeah, Lord Jesus, help them. Talk to them. You know, speak to them, Lord. Give them revelation that there's two lanes, right? Show them, part the sky. Show them there's a lane over here. They can get over there, right? Driving on, you know, nobody else in the world besides them, right? And, uh, and you know, if you're not careful, that, that blood pressure will start increasing. Yeah, I can't, you know, what's wrong with them? And you get so mad about it. Well, that's just carnality that's natural right with the natural things what's it matter are we going to heaven yeah so who, what matter what's it matter if they're in, now i know uh, in about a week my wife's going to say you know you said in the pulpit oh, yeah. just the other day what's it matter right it, it didn't matter right shut up you know go to your room uh and so but you know we, we all have places to work and no doubt but you know sometimes we elevate the natural things to be more important than anything else and they're really not important at all uh you know uh, uh one one good way to measure uh, how carnally minded you are is go on a mission trip. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, you go on a mission trip like to Africa, somewhere like that. First three days, everybody's a saint of heaven. Oh, yeah. I mean, first three days, all is well. There are no problems. But day three, about the afternoon of day three, there's tears. You know, it's so hard being a. It's so hard being a. You know, all this. You know, we can't eat. And and uh, I mean, we got. I've got some great stories. You know, over uh, over all those things uh, uh, over the years, right? Uh, and, and, um, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, you go overseas, you don't know. You don't know what food they're going to feed you. You don't know where you're going to sleep. You don't know, I mean, are they going to take care of you? You have no idea, right? That's why if you're wise, you pack, you know, things that, that can go through like a nuclear war, like Pop-Tarts, right? I mean, they'll live through every nuclear war, you know, beanie weenies, right? Uh, peanut butter. Yeah, I mean, I could live off peanut butter for months, right? I mean, you give me a jar of peanut butter and don't even have to give me a spoon. I just need my finger if I have to. And, uh, I can live a long time just on peanut butter. Uh, but, you know, you go over there and, and, and uh, we, went to, we went to one place and, uh, and, and um, it was like an orphanage. Uh, and uh, we, we said, what does that smell? So uh, out behind the, the building was like a polecat or something they had murdered and was hanging in a tree, right? So it's like 100 degrees outside. They were in the middle of, of, of some uh, uh, bush country in Africa. Uh, and that's lunch. You know, Lord Jesus, we don't want that lunch, you know. So, we're, you know, now, look, if they put it in front of us, you got to eat it, right? So, I mean, that, that was our deal, right? But the Lord loves us, right? And, and so after a while, they came and said, hey, it's taking a little while to, to cook the polecat. You know, can you, is it okay if you guys just have rice? I mean, it's really hard to mess up rice, right? Yeah. <laughs> rice is fine, you know, it's okay. You know, you guys can have the polecat for yourself. We'll just eat rice, no problem, right? So that's because the Lord loves us, right? Well, the one guy from Texas, he starts ragging on us. 
oh, look at you all, supposed to be so uh, big men and women of faith, you know, you're supposed to eat whatever's put in front of you. We were, we, had, we did not decline it. We didn't, you know, say, hey, we don't, don't feed us no polecat, right? Uh, we didn't, we, whatever, we were going to eat whatever they put in front of us. They happened to put rice, and we, and we all thank God for rice. Uh, and so I'm going to eat that. So he gets a plate, a big plate uh, later on, you know, of the polecat, and he takes one bite. He had to leave the building. Uh, because it was so bad, right? Now, we all knew it was bad because the Lord loves us, right? But see, he, and see his, in his mind, he has to eat that, right? So he's carly He thinks he's spiritual, but he's carly minded, right? Well, I have to prove this natural thing to these people, right? Now, you don't want to be disrespectful and, and, and if they put it in front of you, man, you, you just eat it, right? Pray, you choke it down and, you know, you thank God it's not going to kill you. And, and, and um, you know, I've never been sick on a, on a mission trip and, uh, and don't plan on it. And so... But I don't, I don't want to be carnally minded. I want to follow the word of God. And if the Lord gives me an out, I'm taking it out, right? If he gives me an out so I don't have to eat polecat, I'm going to take the out. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but we don't, we don't want to be so naturally minded because, uh, see, verse 7 says to be naturally minded. And, and, and it's good to use that word natural instead of carnal because carnal implies sin. But naturally minded just means things in this natural world that you observe and live in. He said it's enmity or it's hostile towards God. Even those Christians that are, that are very naturally minded, they're very hostile towards God about walking in love and following his word and yielding to his spirit. They're very hostile towards the Lord. And the Lord, and, you know, and you think about it, you're hostile to the very one who saved you, right? And has given you a plan to go to heaven and spend eternity with him. Uh, but see, when he wants you to do things, there's a resistance. I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not walking in love with him. You know, I, you, know uh, you don't know what they did to me. And see, that's hostile. That, that's when the Lord tries to get you to get to get you to where you need to be. There's some hostility there. And, and you know, you think about that, that we as Christians, that, that who, do, who did Paul write this book to? Wrote it to the church, right? This is to the church. He said the church can be and is often hostile towards the Lord. He's not talking about the unsaved. The unsaved don't love the Lord anyway, right? They're all, I mean, they're, the whole life is hostile. But he's talking about the Christian church is on occasion hostile towards the spirit of God. You think about the one who loves you more than anything, desires to do only uh, good for you. Sometimes we're hostile towards the Lord because we get in this natural world. And we think that's the most important thing. Right. Am I comfortable? That's the most important thing. Am I taken care of? Is that, that's the most important thing. Am I always the winner in every situation? That's the most important thing. You know, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is follow his word. Amen. Amen. Follow his spirit. Uh, and so. But then he says uh, in verse uh, uh, well, it's in verse eight, he kind of sums up that portion of verse eight. So then they talking about the church, right? They in the church that are in the flesh or obey human nature cannot please God. Now, we know what the, what does uh, Hebrews eleven six say that without faith, it's what impossible. impossible to please God. So then how do we please God? According to uh, Hebrews eleven six, we please God by being in faith. So. Uh, he said, those that are in the flesh, it's impossible for them to please God. So if you're in the flesh, that means you're not in faith. Uh, so if you want to please God, you've got to be a person of faith. See, a person of faith is the Lord's going to take care of it. Whatever happens, the Lord's going to take care of me, right? If I get over there uh, and, and I run out of beanie weenies, the Lord, the Lord will take care of it, right? A raven will come up with, with uh, uh, some uh, Eggo waffles or something, right? Uh, something that I can eat. Uh, and so... But he said, they, now he's talking about the church, right? They that are in the flesh cannot what? Please, that's a pretty tough statement right there, right? It's, in other words, it's impossible. Now, with God, nothing's impossible. But with man, some things are impossible. 
And if we choose to live in the flesh, in other words, we elevate this natural world. How comfortable am I, right? How comfortable are these chairs, right? It's so hot in here, I can't stand it, right? It's so uncomfortable. You know, you got these, uh, I know when we first went with my pastor, they had, uh, remember those plastic chairs? Uh, they were just like, uh, like boat chairs, right? Just plastic. Well, that's what we had in the sanctuary, just plastic boat chairs, right, for years. Uh, and somebody, oh, I can't sit in those plastic chairs, you know. Uh, and I'm like, it, it's just a chair, right? I mean, we're only going to be here for an hour or so. Uh, and, and, you know, someone told me one time they can't come to church because their uh, comfortable or nice clothes makes them uncomfortable. I'm thinking, so you can't come to church because of the clothes you wear. You know, see, that, that's elevating the, the natural things above spiritual things. Amen. Uh, I mean, I don't care. Come into your pajamas, whatever makes you comfortable. You know, it's not going to bother me as long as it's decent and in order. Right. Uh, and so uh, and so uh, he said, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So this is a warning to us. Right. As a church, be careful that we don't elevate the natural because you're not going to be able to work with the Lord and the anointing of God if you stay in the flesh. Right. Because he wants you to elevate your spirit above everything. He wants you to elevate the realm of the spirit above everything and so that the flesh becomes unimportant right well if you're not comfortable what's it matter right i mean you know who cares right if you're not if the food isn't perfect you know i mean i've seen i've seen uh, christians and ministers get so mad at the restaurant if the food's not perfect well you know who's gonna eat that stuff right there you know take it back and you know i got no problem with you You guys send it back right i mean you know i've gotten food and and uh, like a steak that was you know not cooked well enough and you know i'm pretty sure a good vet could save this one right you know and I mean, you know, can you send it back and, you know, maybe kill it or something, at least, you know, and, uh, uh, and, and then bring it back, you know. And, but, you know, you can be kind about it. Amen. Uh, but see, when you're so carnal that you elevate the flesh, you know, how dare you bring me food that's not perfect? Well, welcome to the human world, right? I mean, is there anything perfect in this world? Nothing's going to be perfect. So, so when we elevate flesh, right, when we obey human nature more than we obey uh, our spirits, See, then we can't please God. And that's tough. I mean, that, you know, I, that, to me, just thinking about that breaks my heart. Thinking, Lord, is there, have there been times when I've not pleased you just because of my flesh? I mean, you know, I'm not even sure when I ask that question. Because I know if I ask the question, he's going to give me a list. Oh, yeah. yeah. Last Tuesday, 2 o'clock. Yeah, right then, you know. Uh, and, and so I'm going to try to minimize that as, as much as possible. But he said in verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. See, we are in the spirit because we dwell in the spirit realm, right? We are spirit beings. Uh, and he said, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Well, are you Christians? Then the spirit of God dwells in you. Amen. So you have the capacity to be in the spirit. Now, look, I, I think in the charismatic Pentecostal, we give that such a bad rap because we get so in the spirit that we're, we're, we're just flaky as a box of cornflakes, right? Oh, God, I got up and God appeared to me, told me to use the striped toothpaste. Really, the Lord God in heaven appeared to you, told you to use the striped toothpaste. Now, could he do it? There's no, he could do it, right? But did he do it? I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical, right? I'm a little skeptical about that, you know. Uh, but see, we can be in the spirit. Really, being in the spirit just means you've always got your spiritual antennas on. You're always, you're always listening, always, always ready to yield if something needs to be done or said. That's really what walking in the spirit is, that, that you are aware of the spirit realm. Everywhere you go, so you walk in, you know, you, you, uh, you, you walk in Walmart and, and you're aware, right? Anything going on here, Lord? You know, because, you, you know, if you want to see all the crazy people, they go to, they go to Walmart, right? Yeah. 
Now, all the people at Walmart aren't crazy, but the crazy people will go there, right? You just go to Black, you ever been to Black Friday in Walmart? And you go to Black Friday in Walmart, and you think, where have, where have you all been? I mean, I, I live in this town. I, I, every day I'm in this town. I've never seen you before. Where do you come from? Uh, and they show up on Black Friday, right? And, and they got their hairs and curlers, and they're wearing all the moo-moos and all this stuff. And he's like, well, you know, you could get dressed to come to Walmart. It'd have been okay. But, uh, and so, but see, we can be in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. In other words, we can be aware of the Spirit everywhere we go. Now, you know, the, the thing that probably bothers me more than anything else is when we as Charismatics and Pentecostals so hyper-spiritualized everything, we're kind of almost the other extreme, that, you know, God is just appearing to us every morning and reading us the news. And uh, it's just it's just not that way. Uh, and, uh, you know, I remember when when uh, Chris was pregnant, uh, we just had one of the kids. I think it was uh, I don't remember which one it was, but but um, uh, one of the, uh, the church would bring, you know, meals out to people that had babies. And uh, th- that way she didn't have to eat my cooking. Right. And, and uh, you know, uh, you know, or order, you know, because I wasn't going to cook, but I could order stuff. Right. Uh, and so, uh, so they bring food to, to us, you know, and it was a blessing to do that. And, and, uh, and we appreciated that. But we had one lady in particular call me up and said, hey, um, the Lord told me to bring you chicken. Praise God, I love chicken, you know. I mean, you know, by law, you're required as an ordained minister to love chicken, right? And so, you know, uh, yeah. So, so the Lord told me to bring you chicken. Okay, that's great, you know. And she said, what have you had to eat all week? I said, we've had only chicken all week. Now look, I could eat chicken. It didn't bother me. I could eat chicken, you know, every day for weeks at a time, right? I mean, I still love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you know. You eat peanut butter and jelly I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'm pretty sure my right leg is made out of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you know. I've, I've eaten so many over the years. Uh, and she said, but the Lord told me to bring you chicken. Okay, praise God, you know, bring it on, right? So, uh, you know, after I told her we've had only chicken all week, then she gets to the house. And it's not chicken. It's pork chops or, you know, meatloaf or whatever it was, you know. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, oh, what? but you said the Lord told you to bring chicken. So either, either the Lord didn't tell you that, which I'm a little skeptical, but I don't know because the Lord didn't tell me. He didn't tell her that. But uh, either the Lord didn't tell you that or you're in rebellion. So either you lied or you're in rebellion. One of the two. It's only two options, right? Well, the third option, I guess, the Lord changed his mind. If the Lord changed his mind, he ain't never going to change his mind. You know, he knew from the, before the foundation of the world, today's chicken day, right? Uh, and so he, he ain't never changed his mind. So, you know, it, it's, it's been, uh, for me, as a, uh, just as a Christian, not even as a pastor, but as a Christian, I see where a lot of people name drop the Lord. Well, the Lord told me to do that. You know, he didn't really tell you to do that, right? Because number one, what do we judge everything we hear, we think we hear from the Spirit of God by? Always judge it by the word. Everything we think the Lord tells us, does that line up with the word of God? Always. We never, well, this is beyond the word. There's nothing beyond the word. The Lord will never violate his word. And if you want to learn how to be led by the spirit of God, you learn how to judge everything you think you hear by the word first. Before you say anything, before you do anything. You know, Lord, uh, how does that line up with the word of God? You know, you go with, you, you just give them what for over there. Well, Lord, how does that line up with the love of God? You know, how, you know. Uh, you go, you know, you go steal that food. You know, you did more than they, than they needed. How does that line up with the word of God? That doesn't line up with the word of God. So the Lord didn't tell me to do that, right? And anything that I would do that would cause harm to somebody else's life, that can't be the Lord right there, right? And yet, how many things have been done in the name of the Lord, right? Uh, and so, you know, to me, it's not even hard. You know, I'm not judging anybody. When they, when they say something that the Spirit of God says that they said, immediately the word of God will rise up in my heart. If it's not the Lord, 
I'm not judging them. The word's judging them. The, the word's already been spoken. So if it's contrary to the word, it, it always rises up in my heart. Well, that's not what the word says. So I don't believe that a, a minute. Well, you're judging me. I'm not, the word of God is already, is already clear. I'm not, you know, I'm not judging anybody. Because ju- to judge you would say, well, that's not God. And you deserve to be thrown in a dungeon. Well, now I'm judging you, right? Mm-hmm. How the Lord chooses to deal with your error is up to him, right? Yeah. But, but if you tell me the spirit of God tells you something, immediately I'm required by, by the word to judge it by the word, right? We're supposed to judge everything by the word. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't, you can name drop the Lord all the day long. It doesn't, it doesn't impress me at all because I'm going to say, well, does that line up with the word? Yeah. Well, the Lord told me to leave my spouse and go get that one over there. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, have you seen her? What an upgrade, right? Uh, uh, well, is that the Lord? No. no, the Lord wouldn't tell you to do that, right? And, and the word's got plenty of things to say about stuff like that. Uh, but then how many times has things like that been said by Christians? Yeah. Well, the Lord told me to do that. The Lord told me to go do these things. Well, that, but you're going to bring harm to that person over there. There's no way the Lord would have told you to do that, you know. The Lord told me to split the church. I'm going to go take 20 people out of your church and go start a church down the street. Really, the Holy Ghost, the one who loves all of us, told you to do that, to harm the church that's here and go start your own church for your benefit, right? The Lord told you to do that. Yeah, no, I don't believe that for a second, you know. Uh, you know, just, uh, I, I mean, just you know, people say things like that all the time, right? The Lord, the Lord told them. Uh, but he said, but he does say that that we are not in the flesh, but the, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God dwell in us. Uh, and now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is not of his. So then he started to shift gears in verse nine and start talking about how do we operate and work with the spirit of God? How do we start knowing that it's the spirit of God? And so um, so number one, we don't live in the flesh. Right. We need to make sure that our, our what's most important is not the flesh, but the most important is the spirit realm. And that should be all of us. Right. All of us. Uh, and, and look, if, if you will really do that and keep things in balance and really keep your flesh under, then you won't be a flaky, you know, cornflake, fruit loop, you know, cereal box uh, Christian, right? You'll be a, a very wise, stable Christian. And really, you know, Christians that are led of the spirit ought to be the wisest, most stable, happiest, you know, easiest to get along with Christians that there are. Amen. Some Christians are really hard to get along with. You ever, you ever met people like that? Just hard to get around. And, uh, and so, but he said in verse 10, but if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And then he kind of he, he, he gives us a little bonus right here in verse 11. But if, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. So you think about that. The same uh, when Jesus died, right? Jesus went, died on the cross, right? His spirit went down into the place of the damned for three days. And, and but after three days, the spirit of God went down there and got him, right? Raised him from the dead. So you think about going into the, the enemy's territory and retrieving the Lord Jesus after three days. That's what lives inside of you. The power that, that did that lives inside you right now. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you right now. Uh, and he says uh, that because he does that, he will quicken or make alive your mortal body. Uh, now, mortal means subject to death, right? And outside the Lord, all of our bodies are going to decay quicker than it should. But he said, if the spirit of God dwells in you, it will cause this, this mortal body to, to be quickened, to be made alive, right? Uh, the life of God, uh, the, the Bible calls it, uh, when you hear, uh, when you talk about the life of God, it's talking about the Zoe life of God, right? The God kind and the God quality of life lives inside you right now. And so the, the, the Christian church has the capacity, has the ability to be the healthiest group of people on the world, in the world. Because if the spirit of God dwells in me, then, then it's not... 
my good eating and my exercising, my eight hours of sleep and my, you know, eight ounces of, of eight glasses of eight ounces of water, or 10,000 steps or, you know, whatever thing we want to do that's causing me to, to, to be healthy. It's the spirit of God dwelling in me will cause my natural body to be quickened, right? To be made alive. And so, so that's one way we work with them. You know, I, I meditate and think about that all the time, that the spirit of God dwells in me. He dwells in, in my whole body. He's completely in, uh, indwelling in my physical body. That means that that life, is, that life of God is more powerful than all the good eating and exercise I can do because it's going to quicken my mortal flesh. Amen. So that's a great bonus, but you have to do that by faith. You have to believe that, have to meditate on it, have to, have to confess that, right? Well, the Spirit of God dwells in me, right? The, the life of God dwells in me. Uh, and, and, um, uh, and he goes on to say uh, in verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For you, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So uh, verse 13 is really helpful because you know, there's always going to be that tendency in the flesh to do something that is ungodly, right? Do something that's not in the will of God. But he said that by the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit that lives on the inside of you, you know, I'm not doing that. You know, people, people say, you know, you can't resist, you know. Sure you can. The Spirit of God in you. It's not just you with your own ability. The Spirit of God in you goes, no, don't do that. And see, well, if, if uh, we as Christians, one of the best things you can learn to do as a Christian is to learn to yield to the Spirit of God. When you sense that unction in you to go and say something or go and do something or not say something or not do something, if we can train ourselves that, yes, sir, I'll be glad to do that. I'll be glad not to do that. And, and just be real uh, humble servants of the Lord and learn how to yield to that quickly and train yourself to do that. See, then he says that if you do that, uh, see, uh, you can uh, mortify the deeds of the body. In other words, kill the deeds of the body, uh, destroy the deeds that are going to bring harm to either somebody else or to your own self. Right. You can do that by the spirit. So that's us working with the spirit of God. Right. It's not just us having to have the, the strength and the fortitude and the willpower to overcome everything. No, it, it's uh, it, it's the spirit of God in us that helps us in those things. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so and then he says one of the greatest uh, verses of, of the whole New Testament, I think, as far as your day to day life, he says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the spirit of God. See, uh, uh, what does that mean for the church? If you go ask your average Christian, you know, are you led by the spirit of God? Well, you know, I, I went and the door was locked. So I assumed that it was God's will not to not to go through that door. But he didn't say you're being led by doors being locked or doors being unlocked. He said you're being led by the Spirit of God. Yes. And, 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 you know, in the charismatic world, even, you know, we struggle with the faith of that. Mm. Because the faith of this verse says that, that I can know what, to, what I need to do. I can know what I need to know. And I can know what I need to do or not do by the supernatural revelation of the Spirit of God. Be led by the Spirit. Not be led by things I observe in the natural realm, but be led by the Spirit of God. And, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, I was going to buy that house, but it fell through. So it must have not been God's will for me to get that house. But so you're not being led by the spirit of God. You're being led by the results of the bank discussion. Right. You're being led by 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 whether the, the real estate agent sold you the house or not. I'm not being led by this by the real estate agent. I'm supposed to be led by the spirit of God. I should know before I get there. Am I going to get that house or not? That's how we're led by the spirit of God. This see, the Christian church. It's supposed to be the most supernatural group in the whole world. 
We're, we're different, you know, this may be news to, to the rest of the church, but we're different than a moose lodge, right? I mean, praise God for the moose lodge and whatever they do. I don't know what they do, but, you know, uh, thank God for the JCs and the Rotary Clubs and all those things, you know, whatever they do. I don't know what they do, but whatever they do, it's fine, but we're, that's not us. We are the group that's led by the Spirit of God. It's supernatural life every day. And so when we go to, when we go to the Bula Bethesda and the Spirit of God says, go, go minister to that one fella. Nobody else is that one fella. See, that's being led by the Spirit of God. Lord says, you go, you go buy that car. Don't go buy that car. You go buy that car. Well, Lord, why not that car? You know, maybe he'll tell you. He's not required to tell you why he, he tells you to do something. But you could ask him, and he might choose to tell you. But there's been plenty of times, you know, and I know I've told you the story, but uh, I was looking for a particular car and had all the, you know, I'm a little, you know, uh, picky about it. I've got, I've got my list. Well, I want this feature, that feature, right? This thing, this, you know, whatever, whatever, all the things I want. Uh, and so, you know, you can get online and you say, I want this car. And okay, there's that car right over there. And, and uh, we found one, uh, me and Jerry found one like seven hours away in North Carolina or somewhere like that. So we got in the car, we drove, you know. And we got there, and it was exactly what I wanted. You know, every feature I wanted, you know. We got on test drove the car, and, and um, you know, we got done. I said, well, Jerry, what do you think? He said, whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, right? Well, thanks for no help. That was no help at all, right? I already know what I want to do, but I wanted you to tell me what you want to do, right? And so, uh, but down here, see, in my spirit, man, it's like, no, he didn't, he, it wasn't a skies parted, it wasn't, thunder rolling and you know he didn't send me an email just down here my spirit man it's like don't get that car so you know i mean i've been been walking with the lord for a lot of years i learned okay when 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 you get that kind of a of a of a no then you move on right number one rule when you buy a car got to be able to walk away right i mean uh, a lot of uh, first question you ask is what's my payments they know they got you right uh, <laughs> you, you, you gotta you uh, doesn't matter what you gotta be able to walk away in every situation, before you sign on the dotted line, after you sign on the dotted line, it's too late to walk away, right? But before you sign on the dotted line, you've got to be able to walk away. And so you've got to be willing to be led by the Spirit of God uh, before you get there, right? And so we drove all that way. And the guy said, what do you think about the car? It's awesome. Uh, is there any features you, that you wanted that's not on? Nope. Everything I want is on that car. Oh, you're going to buy it? Nope. He said, why not? Just not the car. Uh, well, what's wrong with it? Nothing. Is it missing something? Nope. You don't like the color? It's exactly the right color. Uh, and of course, he thought, you know, well, you're crazy. Well, maybe you might think I'm crazy. So, so what did I do? I got back in the car and we drove back home. You know, later on, I found, uh, I found the car that, uh, that I wanted. But see, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Ah, but I got to have that car. See, as soon as you think I got to have that car, then you're no longer led by the spirit. You're led by your flesh. I can't tell you how many times people get in. I had to buy that house. I had to take that job. I had to, do, I had to marry this person. I had to, you know, whatever, anything you say you have to, right? Uh, we know what, what, the, what, the, what the backside of that question is, right? If you say you have to, then nothing else is true after that. Because there's nothing you have to do except follow the Lord. You don't have to have that car. You don't have to have that job. You don't have to have the house. You don't have to have uh, whatever it is, that thing that you wanted. You know, I got to go to Walmart. You know, I, got, I have to have that, right? Well, you know, you could say it'd be nice to have. I really want that, you know. But you said, really want that more than anything else? I mean, why would you say that? More than Jesus? More than eternal life? More than, I mean, what's the list of things that you could uh, use more than whatever that thing is? So you, you've got to decide, do you want to be, see, that's how you work with him, right? We work with him, not, not uh, see, a lot of Christians will say, well, I was going to buy that car, but the loan didn't go through, so therefore it must have not been God's will 
to get that car. But is that being led by the Spirit? That's being led by the decision at the bank. I mean, maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're against Christians. Maybe, maybe they were having a bad day. There could be a lot of reasons why they didn't give you the loan. Nothing to do with, 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 uh, with the Spirit of God at all, right? Nothing to do with the will of God. So we're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God, not by the things we observe in this natural realm. That's us working with Him. See, I, I, I expect Him, my expectation in my life is I always know what to do in every circumstance. And even if I don't know, by the time I need to know, I'll know. Uh, because he's going to lead me. You know, uh, I may go look at a thing to go buy or sell. And before I go buy it or sell it, I, I believe I'll know before it's important, before I have to sign on the dotted line, whether what I'm doing is right or not. Uh, and, and there's been lots of things I've had to walk away from. I, I can't do that. Well, why not? Just can't do it down here, you know. But it, it's such a great deal. Doesn't matter if it's a great deal, you know. Uh, there was a fellow back in the Depression days, uh, uh, I heard this story about him that uh, he was a millionaire back in the Depression days. And, you know, even being, you know, having a hundred bucks in the Depression days was a lot of money. But he was a millionaire. And he said he never he never lost a dime in any in any business dealing. He never lost a dime. And that's during the Depression days. Right. Everybody lost a dime and a nickel and a dollar and everything. And, and so uh, they said, what's your secret? He said, well, before I ever make a decision. He, uh, now, he was a wealthy person. He had a prayer closet. Right. He had a, a, a room just for prayer. He would go to prayer class. He said, it never took more than three days to get an answer. Of, should I invest or should I not invest? And he said, I he can't tell you how many times people will come to him. Hey, this will make you a million dollars. He pray about it. No. Okay, then, then, then the answer is no. Uh, well, why not? Just the answer is no. And then he gets some deals. You know, someone comes to him. Hey, you need to invest in this, you know. Uh, and other people say, oh, don't invest in that. That's, that's a terrible idea. And he go pray about it. The Lord, the unction of the Lord, the, the, you know, working with the Lord, the Lord would say, you, you do that. And he'd do it. And, and it would look like a terrible idea, terrible business plan. Uh, and, and he'd go do it, you know, and he would, he would be successful at it. But see, he was being led by the Spirit of God. And, and so that should be a normal part of our life. Whatever you're called to do, the Lord is there to work with you, right? So if you're called, you know, it's not just in the pulpit. It's Going to Walmart and buying whatever you buy and selling whatever you sell and, and doing whatever you do. He, he didn't say, I mean, he created us in this natural world, didn't he? He put us in this earth right here. And so if he put us right here, then he's concerned about everything in our life. Not just spiritual things, which, you know, of course, they're important, but it's everything. He's concerned about everything because if we're successful, then we have the capacity to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, uh, you know I had somebody tell me one time, said, you should be good doing mission trips. I thought, that's a really odd thing for a Christian to say, right? Oh, you guys don't need to be doing mission trips. And you know why he told me we shouldn't be doing mission trips? He said, because they're expensive. Oh, oh, I mean, uh, what version of Bible do you have? Go into all the world to preach the gospel unless the airline tickets are, cost too much. Is that what it says? I mean, maybe you've got a different version of the Bible than I've got, but my Bible says go into all the world. If the Lord says go then my expectation is he will provide whatever funds we need to go, right? And, and that's, I mean, that's how we work with him. If he says to go, then he's obligated to take care of us, isn't he? He's obligated to do that. To do that. Uh, and so, you know, uh, of course, it didn't make him real happy, but uh, I've said a lot of times, uh, who was the only one who ever complained about finances in, in the Gospels? Judas. Judas, right? He's the only one who ever complained about money in the Gospels. Uh, Jesus was, was Jesus concerned about feeding the 5,000, 4,000, whatever? Uh, was he concerned about paying taxes? Was he concerned about uh, anything? 
No, Jesus was the only one ever complained about it, right? Um, and so uh, we love to complain about things. And so, uh, but he said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So one of the great ways that the church can learn to work with the Holy Ghost, with the, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, is to be led by the Spirit of God, not be led by, by the things we can measure in the natural realm, not be led by whether the door is closed or, or open or locked or not locked. I mean, he says, you know, uh, that uh, uh, he can open the door, door that no man can shut and, and shut a door that no man can open. Mm. So if it's the wrong direction, the Lord will deal with it, right? If it's closed, the Lord will just bust it down. If it's open, the Lord will shut it, shut it up if he needs to, right? Oh, well, when the Lord closes one door, he opens up a window. I mean, that sounds great, but there's no Bible for that, right? I mean, he said you've got to be led by the Spirit of God, you know, because maybe the window's uh, three floors up. I'm not going to jump out a window if it's three floors up, right? And so he's going to make, he's going to lead me, amen? amen? See, if the door's locked and he says, you go through that door, then I'm going through that door. If the window's open and he says, go through the door anyway, I'm going through the door. It doesn't matter if the window's open. I'm not going to be led by, see, see, uh, the natural things and, and the things I can observe and see and measure in the natural realm, I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. That's how we work with, with the Lord as the church. And it's one of the most important things that the church can learn. And it's probably one of the things that church has learned the least. And yet he said that he, we're supposed to be working with him. Uh, every day you can work with the Lord. Everything you do, you can work with the Lord. In your natural job, in your spiritual life, uh, in, in dealing with your spouse and, and are not dealing with your spouse. You know, the, I've been married for 32 years. The Lord is on my case all the time about how I treat my wife. And I mean, maybe I'm just a terrible person. I don't know. But, but it doesn't matter how good of a husband I am. It's always like a list. Yeah, okay, that's good. Now do these things over there, right? Lord, do you ever talk to her about anything? I mean, you know, it's like, you know, because, uh, you know, I've tried to talk to, to him about her every now and then and that never goes anywhere because he always deals with me. But, uh, but see, I can be, learn how to be led by the Spirit of God in my marriage. I can learn how to be led by the Spirit of God uh, in my physical job, in my natural job. Just, you know, when I go get gas, I'm always just, uh, my antenna's always up. Lord, anything going on here? You know, because uh, sometimes you say, just keep on going. Don't stop to get gas there. Well, I don't know why. And maybe there's no reason at all. Maybe it's just, he's just seeing if I'll obey him, right? But there could be a reason, right? Could, I mean, the, the gas can could explode. I mean, who knows, right? I don't, but I'm not in fear. I'm just, you know, if, there, if there's an unction, then I'll follow the... If there's no unction, I'll just go do whatever I was planning on doing, right? If there's no unction, I'll just go to Walmart anyway, right? Uh, see, I don't expect to have an unction all the time, but I'm, I'm going to be ready in case, in case there's an issue, right? In case there's something that I need to be aware of. That's part of living in the Spirit. Uh, and see, the, the benefits of that, you think about how much of the world that we can... We can, we can get into the church if we would be led by the spirit to know exactly who to preach to when we need to preach to them and who do we just leave alone right now while the spirit of god is working on them and come back maybe next week we talk to them right but see if there's no function to say anything i don't say anything i just go on amen uh and and so so there, there, there's a few more things that we want to talk about this in this area but uh because uh, we got a, a, a few more things in, in romans chapter 8 to talk about because romans chapter 8 is just a great it's just a great chapter. I love chapter, Romans chapter 8 because it really gives me a lot of good information about how to live this Christian life, day-to-day Christian life, amen? You know, so much of the church, uh, we spend all of our time as, oh, we're just broken down and we're always so bad and Lord, I never follow your word and I never follow your will and Lord, I know, you're fa- I know you're, you'll forgive me and, and that's all great, but we've got to move on from that. 
Lord, you know, Lord, I know you always help the broken hearted. I'm so broken hearted. And those are all real things. But are we going to live in that the rest of our lives? Where we're always the ones who need to help. You know, we're we're here to get the world into the church. Yeah, and I know we got to be taken care of, and I know sometimes things got to be dealt with, but our lives shouldn't be spent about just, you know, all my problems, amen? Because if you're really led by the Spirit, you will, you're, the number of problems you'll deal with will be diminished significantly, right? Uh, because he'll, He will lead you around a lot of problems and avoid a lot of problems if you'll be led by the Spirit of God in all that you do, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word today. So, Father, we thank You for Your Word and, Father, we thank you for the Spirit of God that dwells in us. And, Father, if he dwells in us, then we have the capacity to be led by him each and every day. And all that we do and all that we say, Father, and everywhere we go. And we thank you, Father, that's such a great ministry that you've provided for us, your church. And so, Father, we ask you to help train us, teach us, Father, instruct us how to be more sensitive to your spirit, how to be aware of your indwelling presence, how to know, Father, when, when we're supposed to do something or not do something. And Father, as you, as you teach us and instruct us, we'll be willing to learn and willing to yield, Father. And we thank you for that, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. It, it's uh, um, uh, one of the things that uh, um, uh, Brother Hagin used to say that I thought was helpful. was he said, you know, in the church, uh, a lot of times what we need even more so than the word, because we, we get the word on a regular basis. If you go to a word church, then you hear the word preached, right? Uh, and so in a, in a word church, really what you need to learn more than anything else is how to yield to the Spirit of God more, right? how to learn to yield to when he gives you an unction to yield to that, right? And, and not get flaky and not get all those things, right? And so uh, let's, uh, um, uh, our usual um, um, Tradition is to receive communion on the first Sunday of the month, so it's the first Sunday of the month. So, uh, Jared, if you'll come ahead, we'll get ready to receive uh, communion this morning. Uh, and um, <clears throat> while you're doing that, I was going to just read a, a verse or two here. And so... Uh, uh, communion, you know, Jesus said, uh, do this uh, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So um, you can do it as often as you want to. But uh, uh, the story here, when Jesus first instituted this in Matthew chapter 26, uh, he said in verse 26, he said, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples, said, take, eat. This is my body. Uh, and he said, uh, and he said, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Uh, and, you know, Jesus said this, this is uh, uh, the way he said it. This is the blood of the New Testament. And, you know, the word testament means uh, we know what a testament is, right? The last will and testament. Well, the word testament means this is a, a declaration of my will. And so Jesus was saying this is a de declaration of my will is that I want to deal with all the sin in your life. And I'm going to do that by going to the cross and shedding this blood that this juice represents. Uh, and so he was he was explaining to the church what his will was, uh, was to deal with all the sin in our lives uh, once and for all. Right. He's not. Is Jesus going to go back to the cross tomorrow and shed more blood? You know, he's not going to go back to the cross ever again. All the dealing with sin he's ever done with it. Amen. We still have to ask for forgiveness. We still have to receive the work of the blood of the cross. Amen. But uh, he's never going back to the cross, never going to shed another drop of blood. 
And he said, my will is the church is free from sin. And my will is that, uh, uh, and, he, and of course, he dealt with the bread first, right? My will is they receive the work of what I chose to do in my physical body, which is to rece- receive stripes on my back uh, and to, uh, to bring healing to the church. Uh, that's by his stripes you were healed, right? That's what he said in 1 Peter 2.24. So, so he was declaring my will. By doing these things, he was declaring his will. Now, of course, what's the will of God? It's, it's really big, right? Uh, it includes more than the blood and the bread, but he wanted to emphasize those two things uh, because you've got uh, uh, all of redemption, right? You, you've got uh, to have your spirits uh, reborn, get your eternal destiny set in heaven. So there's a lot of things that came about because of the work of redemption, But Jesus wanted to emphasize these two things. So uh, our response is yes, sir. Then if that's what you wanted to, to uh, emphasize, then we'll emphasize those two things as well. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so he said, take, eat. This is this is my body. Right. Uh, and in uh, other verses said that it was broken for you. And so this this bread represents the body of the Lord Jesus. It represents all the stripes that he took. Amen. It represents the fact that uh, this body uh, was broken and, and received all the sickness and disease in the world so that we don't have to live in those things. Uh, and so let's thank the Lord uh, for this bread and what it represents. And so, Father, we thank you uh, for this bread. Father, you said that this is your body. It represents all the things that you did on our behalf. And so, Father, we thank you that you chose to, to do that. You chose to allow uh, those people in the Gospels to, to beat you and to harm you, Father, and to inflict pain upon you. So that we don't have to do that. So we don't have to live in sickness and disease. And so, Father, we thank you for that, for that, uh, for that body of yours that you sacrificed on our behalf. And we receive this bread, Father, with thanksgiving and faith in Jesus' name. And, Father, for the precious blood of Jesus, there's, n- there's nothing more precious than the, the infinite value of the blood of Jesus in all of the universe. Father, it was enough to wash away every sin uh, and to cleanse all of humanity, uh, past, present, and future, Father. Uh, And the amount uh, of uh, power that it would take to do that, Father, is beyond our comprehension. But your blood was sufficient to do that. And Father, if it was sufficient to cleanse all of humanity of all of our sins, Father, it's sufficient to cleanse me of all of my sins and to pay for all of my sins. And so, Father, I thank you for that. You said this is the New Testament. This is your will and desire that we live a life washed away, washed from all of our sins and made clean. And so, Father, we stand before you now clean, not because of our perfection, but because of your blood. And we give you the praise and the honor for that in Jesus name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good, you know, I mean, just you could receive communion, and go home every week, right? And remind yourself how good the Lord is. And so uh, we appreciate his goodness and kindness. Amen. Uh, and so let's uh, uh, as soon as, well, as soon as Jared gets done, because usually about this time we get ready for uh, our church meal, right? That's usually the first Sunday of the month. So we're not having a church meal today. We'll have it. Uh, what's today's date? The, the seventh, right? About two weeks from today, we'll have our church meal. So and then it's Thanksgiving, right? And then, uh, and then off to the races for Christmas, right? Uh, and so, um, but praise God. Is the Lord good? Can we be led by the Spirit of God? 
can we work with the Spirit in every day of our lives without being flaky and, and kind of weird and unusual, you know? I mean, we're already weird and unusual anyway, right, as peculiar people, but we don't have to be that weird, right, that unusual. So, um, well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, and uh, don't forget, um, uh, today at 3 o'clock we have healing school, and so we do that at 3 o'clock, and it's just a, a, a um, service that we teach on the subject of healing every week, Amen. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and we just call the offering blessed. And uh, so two weeks from today is uh, church meal. And, um, and then um, um, on Wednesday, um, we've got Larry and Angela Keaton coming. Amen. Uh, and so just uh, real quick, when uh, Jared gets that, let's just uh, pray and we'll close up the service and then... Um, We'll let you go beat all the Baptists at the restaurant, right? Uh, and so, so let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for blessing us each and every day. And, Father, we thank you for your word. And, and Father, we thank you for the spirit of God that dwells in us. And we thank you for that, Father. And just real quick, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you know, the spirit of God comes in us and dwells in us as we accept the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus in your heart, uh, and we'd like to accept them and allow the Spirit of God to come and dwell in you and, and uh, give you the opportunity to be led by the Spirit. If you'd like to accept the Lord Jesus and have never accepted him, if you'll raise your hand, we'll pray with you and pray for you. Amen. Get you born again in the church. Get you the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you. On your way to heaven. Amen. Praise God. Uh, uh, well, Father, we just thank you for being good to us. And we just want to remind you, Father, how appreciative we are of your Spirit. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise God. Well, go beat some Baptists to the restaurant, all right? So you all be blessed and uh, you're dismissed.